Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Sunday night, the Buffalo Bills. Ryan, I I have a hard time thinking of a loss worse than this one since I came back to Buffalo to cover this team in 2018. This was an ugly one. The Bills go down 9-6 in Jacksonville to the Jaguars, who entered this game at 1-6, a team that is a month removed from their coach almost getting fired after a viral bar video that set the organization ablaze and was the talk of the NFL for weeks. Um, This was a team that all week long, I wrote about it. Urban Meyer was raving about what the Bills and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott built. And they come in here today and absolutely lay an egg on the road. This is the Shop Buffalo Football Podcast. I mean, listen, we're setting the stage here. There's going to be a lot to talk about. But remember, we're brought to you by Tops, whether you're celebrating at home or away. And I don't know who's celebrating right now in Bills Mafia Nation, but Tops has all your fan favorites. Ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Your big takeaway, Ryan Talbot, I have an idea of where you could possibly be going. Well, I'll get to the main takeaway, but to your first point, Matt, this absolutely was the worst loss of the Sean McDermott era. Now, mind you, uh, fans that were here for year one, they had some blowout losses early that year to the Ravens and to the Chargers. But that was a team that was lacking talent, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. This is supposed to be a Super Bowl contender. This is a team uh, that had a lot of hype around it. The defense holds Jacksonville to nine points in this matchup, and the offense cannot do enough to win this game. So it, it was embarrassing if you're a Bills fan. It, it's a hard you know, game to or loss to swallow, and it all comes down, in my opinion, to the offensive line. Uh, I, I had a lot of people at postgame saying, well, what about the run game? Well, what about Josh Allen? Josh Allen had some terrible decisions in this game. The run game had their issues, but it all goes back to the offensive line. The offensive line's not opening run lanes. Josh Allen was running for his life from the start of that game, and and to his credit, he made some really great throws in that matchup despite having to run for his life, and he made some questionable decisions as well when he realized that I think there was a lot of pressure on him uh, to make up for the way that that line was playing. So that's where I'm starting. What did you think? 
Yeah, I think that that's a fine place to start. And we're going to kind of get into Josh quite a bit. But I think to get to Josh, you have to talk about where it started. And you mentioned the defense. Just a quick note on that. You know, this is a, a, a defensive effort today. And listen, this isn't a great Jaguars offense by any stretch of the imagination. Most metrics will tell you that they're one of the worst offenses in the league. They didn't have James Robinson, who's arguably their best player on offense. And it showed today, 21 carries for 67 yards for Carlos Hyde. The Bills did a pretty good job in, in run defense. But, you know, the Bills forced field goals, punts throughout the game. They even, uh, you know, when when the things started going bad for the offense in the second half, really bad, and they started turning the ball over, there was one drive where the Jacksonville Jaguars offense started at the 30-yard line. And they, didn't come away with it. Uh, they only came away with a field goal. So this is a Bills defense that had a pretty impressive performance. One of the things that stood out to me was, of course, the six quarterback hits. That's one thing. The two sacks, it's great. Six tackles for a loss. I thought that they really did a good job in uh, the run game. But we have to start at Cody Ford for weeks, Ryan. I talked about this on the pregame show today over on CBS with Josh Reed and Thad Brown. And I said, I've been watching Cody Ford before the game because we get a chance to see him down there. They work out before the game. He hasn't been inactive, but he's been benched. And I've seen him kind of going through the mental reps. And I thought, okay, we're in a situation. You come out here today. He is going to be ready to play. And that's something, first and foremost, we can talk about. Micah Hyde saying that the Bills just weren't ready to play today. How are you not ready to play today? This is a a, a situation where, listen, I know uh, it's a week-to-week league and, you know, every game is, is its own story and all the things that we talk about in this league. But you had a real opportunity today. You know, you look around the league. Tennessee's got a really tough game uh, around the AFC. Tennessee's got a real tough game against L.A. tonight. You saw, um, you know, Cincinnati lose today. You saw Baltimore almost lose today. Um, Some teams that you're really going blow for blow with, and I think the Chargers won as well, you got to keep pace with them. And losing a game against the Jaguars, knowing now potentially some other tough games that we talked about, the Indianapolis Colts, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the margin for error is shrinking. And the problem for me began and ended on that offensive line. I thought Cody Ford was the worst of them. I thought Ike Bucker was barely better, if at all. He probably was in the same bucket. I would put him in there. And then on the edge, Deion Dawkins losing that one big uh, rep against Josh Allen where he gets the sack from the blind side. Those plays change the course of games. Quarterback hits change game. Josh Allen was hit eight times today. I think that he has made up for a lot of deficiencies on this offensive line through seven games. We saw that come to a head today. And I'll tell you right now, listen, I know that I'm a big John Feliciano guy. He, uh, he likes MMA. We talk about it. I get it. Right. I think they missed him today. I think they missed him not only from like playing ability. Cause I think he's a good player. I think he's a, he's a, he's a solid player. I think that they missed his ability to communicate out there. And while Mitch Morse wouldn't say that communication was a problem today, on that sack, on fourth down, late in the game, Daryl Williams gets absolutely, absolutely whiffs on his block. I don't know if it was a, a, a snap count issue. I don't know what the problem was, but communication across the board, when you're giving up that much pressure against a defensive line, Ryan Talbot, that entered this game ranked 29th in the league in pressures, total pressures, and 30th in the league in total sacks. They had 11 coming into today, and they had – Four in this game. It's just unacceptable. And this offensive line as a whole was bad. 
Yeah, unacceptable across the board. Just really quick on Micah Hyde's comment. I don't know how the Bills were not ready. You know, maybe that goes to the coaching staff maybe, uh, across the board, which we'll get to hear from them tomorrow. But it's not like they had some huge game on the horizon next week. It's the New York Jets. It's a division po- divisional opponent. But this is not something like where they should have been overlooking Jacksonville because there was some big challenge that that laid ahead for them. This was going against a bad Jacksonville Jaguars team that was just absolutely embarrassed by Geno Smith and the Seahawks, a Seahawks team that doesn't have a great offensive line by any stretch of the imagination. And the Bills come in and produce a dud like this. You know, listen, Cody Ford, the project's over. I I saw someone else in the media comment today saying it's officially time to call him a bust. I I have trouble uh, disputing that. At this point, that should be the last time that Cody Ford sees the field this season with the Bills. There's got to be other options. You just elevated – well, you actually just signed Jameel Douglas to your 53-man roster. You have Ryan Bates. I get he's the utility guy. He can play across the line. They have but I don't care, Ryan. Out. I don't care that he's the utility guy. No, same Today here. was un, unacceptable for them not to make a change after what they saw for 30 minutes. You already benched Cody Ford. And listen, we've been pretty lenient on Cody Ford. I mean, I, I don't think he's gotten a great shake. I don't think that they've actually handled him as a prospect the right way anyway. But when you see for 30 minutes this offense struggling like this against this defense, Considering everything that we just said, you have to make a change. And Sean McDermott, McDermott said that, you know, they're always evaluating things and, they, you know, they're always considering things. You needed to try something different because Josh Allen was getting killed. And Mitch Moore said, I asked him, like, okay, you guys are struggling in pass protection. How much did that kind of bleed into Josh Allen's struggles throughout the game? We'll get to those in a minute. And he said, yeah, you kind of answered your own questions. When you're not blocking up front, when your quarterback's getting hit, Things are going to deteriorate fast, and that's what happened. And you have to make a change in that spot if you're Sean McDermott, in my opinion. Yeah, it it goes back to the coaching. They made a lot of poor in-game decisions, and one was not pulling Cody Ford out of this game. Now, you have to hope that Spencer Brown's back is good enough to go this upcoming week because if that's the case, well, then you have your right tackle issue solved. You kick uh, Darrell Williams back inside the guard, and all of a sudden you only have one position that you have to really – uh, upgrade and that's maybe the left guard whether that's giving Butker another chance there or or going to Bates or someone else at least that'll be alleviated if Spencer Brown is ready to go there were some promising or encouraging signs at the end of this past week where it sounded like he might get some action out there in the practice field that never happened never came to fruition he was ruled out but this line is a mess right now and you know we've already talked about no moves at the trade deadline it takes two teams to, to tango so to speak to make a deal work out so I can't Brandon Bean, we don't know who was out there, who was available, uh, what the asking price was, but the, the Bills do need to seriously consider a few things. One, scour all the practice squads across this league. Is there anyone that you were high on? Are there any veterans out there on these practice squads that you think could be an upgrade uh, to your depth or even to your starting unit? And if so, make a play to sign one of those players. And then two, see who's still out there in the free agent market. I saw some names in here earlier in the chat. Uh, some mentioned Schwartz and, and DeCastro. And, and there's probably some other veterans out there, too, that were injured or, or that were let go at some point this season uh, or leading up to the season that might be healthy enough now to, to at least come in for a tryout. But I, I'm telling you, Matt, if we don't see a workout list at some point this week for the Bills where there's not like eight to ten offensive linemen on that list, there's something really wrong here. And I saw again in the chat. Something about, you know, someone said Bobby Johnson needs to go. I'm not at that point yet, but listen, his seat got warmer today. The fact that they stayed with Cody Ford 
Uh, it, it, it's a concern. It just shows you how bad the, this either the depth is or, or their their in-game coaching is because anyone that was watching that game saw him get beat time after time after time. And the fact that Allen was only sacked four times and hit eight times it is a minor miracle. He was running for his life, eluding pressure on almost every single drop back, it felt like. He, he made some spin moves, some Houdini moves, and made some great throws on the run. But obviously, it was not enough at the end of the day, and it all goes back to the offensive line. I want to get into Josh here now in his game and some of the things that we saw from him and some of the statistics that I think are a bit alarming against the defense that I don't even think is very good. I think Josh Allen is a, is a real talent, and Jaguars Josh Allen, uh, that is. And I think he also showed that, listen, as bad of a franchise as the Jaguars have been for a long time now. I mean, really, when's the last time they were really relevant? They had a nice little year window there with Jalen Ramsey where they, they went to the AFC title game. And, you know, but for the most part, I mean, they've not been a relevant franchise in the NFL for decades. What did you see today? There's not a lot of pieces here. But one piece that they have is that elite defensive end that we keep talking about. Josh Allen, Jaguars, Josh Allen, the elite defensive end. You know, he makes the play in coverage. He gets the interception. I get that. But the two sacks, all the pressures, consistently winning his matchups. He embarrassed Deion Dawkins a couple times today. He embarrassed Darrell Williams a couple times today. It didn't matter where they put him. He was winning. And I think that that shows you, too, that, like, for as much as the Bills – the Bills build has been really strong and all of the acclaim that Brandon Bean has received rightfully so deservedly. So the thing that they missed on is that defensive lineman, AJ Epinesa had a sack today. Great. He had two plays today where I noticed him. the rest of the game. He was invisible. Gregory Rousseau today. He's had some moments as a rookie invisible today. Mario Edison had a sack today. He's had a, he's had a kind of like a three game pocket where I've noticed him a few times. That's good because it's like, you go a couple games last year where you don't even notice Mario Addison. And then today, not enough Jerry Hughes. There's not a guy that's a, a playmaker on this defensive line. And when they have games like this, when they when Micah Hyde's talking about in the press conference, we didn't take, take the ball over and we had a couple opportunities. That's the place where you generate those most of the time is up front. And they didn't get the job done today. And I think what we saw today is that even a bad team that has a pass rusher can beat a good offense like the Bills have. And that's what happened today. Yeah, the Jaguars, Josh Allen was dominant. You mentioned it, uh, some sacks, the, a fumble recovery, uh, an interception on a pass that Josh Allen had absolutely no business making. Uh, he had to eat the sack at that point, but he, he tried to do too much. They don't have that consistent threat. We've talked about it ad nauseum. We, we've mentioned it so many times, Matt. I get it. You're trying to bring along young guys like Epineza and Rousseau, and you have Boogie Basham, who, again, continues to be inactive, and F.A. Obato, who you signed in a free agency. They don't have that consistent threat. They don't have that playmaker. They didn't make a move for anyone at the trade deadline where there were a few pass rushers that were moved. And, and, and mind you, Melvin Ingram, his game against the Bills in week one was like the highlight of his season. He kind of disappeared after that in Pittsburgh. Um, but but even throwing a six-round pick for a player like that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world for uh, the Bills to attempt to do. I, I get you have a lot of guys there, but they're just not getting home enough. They're not getting enough pressure with that front four. Uh, and in the back end, yeah, they were very good today. There were some interceptions that they, they probably could have had. Trey White had his hands on a few balls that he couldn't haul in. 
Levi Wallace had a nice pass breakup. And listen, that that secondary deserves a lot of credit for how well they played, considering how banged up they were. Jordan Poyer entered the game banged up. They lost Taryn Johnson. They lost Jaquan Johnson for a time. Um, and they still delivered. But if the Bills had someone that could get after the quarterback consistently, it's crazy to think how much better this unit could be. So, you know, there's a lot for this team on both sides of the ball to work on. But it's hard to watch that game and say that the defense was at fault at all. I mean, this all comes back to the offense. This comes back to Brian Dable again, who two weeks in a row, I don't think that they've come out with the best offensive game plan by any stretch of the imagination. It Mm. goes back to Bobby Johnson in this offensive line. And the fact that, you know, the run game, I, I can't fault Zach Moss, who left early with a concussion, or even Devin Singletary. They had a lack of touches. The offensive line can't block for them. Singletary was fine as a receiver today, made some nice moves to get the Bills uh, down the field, but the the run game is non-existent. They're one-dimensional, and that's when a guy like Jacksonville's Josh Allen can pin back his ears and go after Josh uh, Buffalo's Josh Allen because there's no threat about the, the, this team running the ball. It's such an amazing thing that happens in the NFL and why it's such an f- interesting game to dissect because you look at, like, offenses across the league and how they spread things around a little bit. You know, you go to like, you know, the way the Bills offense has been so successful over the last year and a half, and it's been highly predicated on a heavy pass usage rate, right? You look at the Cleveland Browns who have not been nearly as successful of an offense as the Bills in that time. But they're a team that's really highly predicated on the run and establishing the run. And then they let the run kind of open up things for their passing game. And it's like, I don't know necessarily what works better. I think it's it's having that elite passing game and and figuring out a way to to run with more regularity and consistency. And I I just feel like if that's my biggest if if you're asking me what my biggest problem with Brian Dable is right now, and there has to be problems with Brian Dable when you have the, an offensive performance like this. He's going to say it tomorrow when we talk to him. It starts with me. I put the plays in. I call the plays. I got to put my players in a, a position to make plays. And one of the things that he needed to get across today, I think a little bit better, was, Josh, you're getting killed. You don't have any time. You have to get the ball out of your hands quicker. That was one of the big big problems early on. My big problem with, with how they go about this thing is, like, the situations when they run sometimes are a little bit head-scratching, right? You know, going into this game where there was all these games where second and uh, three, second and four, I think – or second down runs in the NFL – or second and long, I, I can't remember the stat exactly. The Bills were leading the NFL in run plays on second down and long. I think that's the stat. And that's head scratching. You don't want to be formulaic. You don't want to be predictable in this league. And for as creative as he's been. And listen, relax with the overreactions, okay? I mean, this is still going into this game, the number one scoring offense in the league. It's a weird season with a lot of weird things happening. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're winning, I think. The last time I checked, they were up 13 to nothing on Green Bay. They might still be winning. It might be better. It doesn't look like they're knocking the, you know, the doors off or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's things happening around this league today. You know, uh, Dallas gets absolutely shut out. That offense has looked unstoppable, and Dak Prescott was back. So there's going to be anomalies, weird things. But there's been a couple of games now where this offense hasn't looked right for stretches periods of time and not being able to score against the team that has given up 29 points a game. It's unacceptable. And it starts with Dable. It goes to Josh Allen. And I think the big part for me 
if you wanted me to diagnose why this thing went so poorly for Josh Allen today, it's that he was getting hit a lot. We've we've talked about how games change for quarterbacks once they start getting hit, not only for the plays that follow those hits, but just according to script, when it doesn't change over the course of 30 minutes. And then, like we mentioned, you go into halftime, you don't make any adjustments in terms of who you send out there to actually play. And that's another piece of this football. You know, it's a very complicated game when you get into the nuances of the X's and O's. But sitting here watching this this product every week, there's things that we can deduce from watching it. And seeing how bad this offensive line was playing, it's not that hard to sit here and say, listen, I don't need to go back and watch the tape to tell you that this offensive line was bad today. Just point blank. And if I'm a player on this offense looking for a a way to change things, one of the things, if I'm Josh Allen, I'm playing, you want to put somebody else in there and see if they can block better? There was one play where Josh Allen got sacked or hit. And you look up five yards from the play. I think I tweeted it. Cody Ford was face down in the in the grass and completely out of the play. He just looked like he wasn't ready to play. He was overmatched. It's so much bad. I want you to get into this, but uh, from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs, and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays, get to tops as they have everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Mini ran over Ryan. Uh, I'll tag you in. Yeah, listen, if I go back and rewatch that game, I'm going to play that Benny Hill music while I watch the offensive line because it was a comedy of errors all game long. But you're right, Cody Ford getting beat left and right. And and you mentioned Josh Allen getting beat up all the game, and that's what leads to these bad decisions or the throws that he shouldn't be making, the trying to do too much, running the ball and turning it over and fumbling, which he's had an issue with. You saw blood on his sleeve. You saw stains all over him. Your franchise $258 million quarterback should not look like that against a one in six team, you know, now two and six uh, team. It's just not how it's supposed to go. And, and the fact that you said the Bills felt comfortable with this offensive line or the makeshift line with two guys out, the fact that they made no changes. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered starting tomorrow when the, when the coaches meet with the media in terms of, what was the thought process in terms of not pulling Cody Ford, trying something different, whether it be Bates or Jameel Douglas? Because you said it earlier in this show, Matt, this this AFC, the, the one seed that the Bills are trying to claim, it, it's just getting tougher and tougher. And not just the one seed anymore. The Patriots won again. Now that now they're five and four, they're right on, you know, is uh, yeah, five and four. They're, they're right on the heels of the Bills. They're they're right there. So it, it's concerning. I'm not saying that they're a more talented roster than Buffalo, but that's a good defense. And if the offensive line's not figured out by then, Matthew Judon and company are going to be after Josh Allen all day long. A lot of things became a lot more complicated today in a game that the Bills had absolutely no business losing. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. The run game is interesting because I kind of want to move to that for a quick minute because I think that, you know, depending on how this thing goes, Zach Moss suffers a concussion in this game, Taron Johnson as well. And I think Saran Neal played for him. And obviously the defense played played pretty well. It was Saran Neal gave up that one reception where kind of grabbed the guy or he had a pass interference. Maybe it was an incomplete pass. You know, another small issue for him in coverage, but I think he's fine if you need him. I think Cam Lewis could be a guy that you call up if you need him next week against the Jets. 
But Zach Moss potentially being injured, I think, could be interesting because I do think that they need a little something different in this run game. And, you know, figuring out why they can't run the ball, and we keep asking Sean McDermott this, and the, and the, and the line back to us continues to be, we got to figure this out. We got to go back to the drawing board. Going back to the, 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 the bye week last week after the Arizona games, that's one thing we're going to look at is why we're not running the ball. And I think going back to my earlier point, when you are so good at one thing and you rely on so good one thing so much, I really do think that here's the thing, Devin Singletary, for as much as you can like, you know, question or um, critique what's gone wrong for him the last season plus his rookie year resume. It's not just like an outlier. It's not just something that he can't find again. I don't think at least I think he's, I think there's, there's, you still see it in spurts, what he can do with the ball in his hands. And I think that because of the way that the offense has shifted so much to, to how they play, because they're an afterthought, I, I just think that there's this, this lacking part of the run game that just, they can't figure out a way to, at its current usage rate, how they can be more effective. And I don't know what the answer is to get it to a place. And I don't know, I'm not saying that that's Matt Breida even, right? Because he's the guy that's kind of lay, laying in wait. You know, Antonio Williams had a nice game against the Dolphins last year. Maybe he's somebody that you want to get involved in the mix. But I, I think you got to pull Zach Moss out of it and maybe do something like one week at Singletary and Breida. The next week, maybe it's Moss and Breida or Moss and Williams or some type of thing. When you play against the Patriots, who you're probably going to want to run a little bit more, use a little heavier style of run game. I don't know, but you got to start trying some different things. And a, this game was like a a little microcosm of the problem that there, there wasn't a change in this game. And I know that they made some moves on the offensive line over the, you know, they made the move with AJ Epinesa. Just it's sometimes you got to play the right notes to have the symphony work the right way. And I think so far this season, I don't know if Sean McDermott has hit the right notes at every stage here. And, and that's why I think one of the reasons why the bills sit here at five and three. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and, Maybe Antonio Williams gives them a spark, or maybe it's Matt Breida who has that speed that they're lacking. But I, I agree with you. It, it's time to change some things up in the running game, or at least give someone else a different chance. See how much of it really is on the offensive line, which I, I do think it's a huge factor in the lack of the run game uh, for the most part. But at least give someone else a uh, try to give them that shot in the arm. There's a report this morning that the Bills were one of five teams that showed varying levels of interest in Adrian Peterson before he signed with the Tennessee Titans. So it, it means that at least at one point, whether it was this offseason, whether it was early in the year, the Bills were considering a move uh, for a veteran like that. He only averaged 3.9 yards per carry last season in Detroit, but found the end zone seven times. They need to do something different. It's just not working. Uh, I think Moss entered the game averaging three point some three point nine yards per carry. Singletary was much higher than that, although mm-hmm. Moss was getting more of the workload. Um, Singletary showed what he could do as a receiver though today. So yeah, try something, change something up, change up this offensive line. If you're going in with two different, you know, if you're going to be missing two of your starters still. Obviously, Feliciano was put on the IR, so there's a few more games that he's going to miss. This is the second straight game that Spencer Brown has missed. You would think that he'd be back, uh, but back injuries are no joke, especially when you're talking about a uh, big offensive tackle who, you know, you don't know the severity of it. You'd like to think that he'll be back sooner rather than later. But on the offensive side of the ball, they need to go back to the drawing board from the play calls 
from the offensive line play and who you're sending out there to the run game, et cetera. You know, the, the wide receivers, they have not been an issue. Yeah, there was one bad drop by Cole Beasley at midfield today, but he had eight receptions in the game. Diggs has just like every other team, they're, they're kind of taking him out of the game at times. He showed up when he was needed. Obviously, they'll benefit when Dawson Knox comes back because there's a significant drop off between Knox and Tommy Sweeney, but they have to go back to the drawing board. The offense should not have looked like this today. Uh, this was not a great defense by any stretch of the imagination, but the Bills sure made them look great today. Let's play a little game here, Ryan Talbot. Uh, opening line for next week's Jets game is out. Did you look at it? Did you see it? I have not. All right, let's play guess that line. Uh, the Bills are on the road at the New York Jets. What do you I'm got gonna, for us? I'm going to, I can't go double digits after this dud. I'll say the Bills are eight point favorites. Okay, so they're opening at minus 13, even after this blunder against the New York Jets. I think the That's big insanity. piece of that is what the Bill, I think they're going to expect a pissed off Bills defense that just played this well and had this be the result. And I think that you're going to see an offense that gets their ass kicked this week. I mean, excuse my French. And by the way, it's a swearable kind of day, unfortunately, everybody. (laughs) So sorry about that. I mean, Josh Allen swore twice and apologized himself. He said, listen, I'm not going to mince any words here. I I played like shit. And listen, in the second half, I I definitely agree. And for the game, I'll agree. I mean, he wasn't very good. I mean, he completed 66% of his passes, but this is the lowest passer rating for Josh Allen since 2019, okay, against the Baltimore Ravens. This is the most turnovers in a game since 2019. The last time he turned the ball over three times in one game, the New England Patriots, when he threw three picks in that week four game in 2019. So this was a a bad game for Josh Allen. We're not giving him a pass here. Don't get me wrong. But I just think that you just give so much lip service to this, right, over the course of the build and the course of the developing a young quarterback we got to do everything to build around Josh Allen. And I'm not saying that, jo- that Brandon Bean hasn't done that. He has. He's brought in elite wide receivers. He's brought in all pro wide receivers. He's brought in a Super Bowl champion receiver and Emmanuel Sanders. There's pieces here, okay? They paid Mitch Morse. They paid Deion Dawkins. They paid Daryl Williams. The drop. You, you can't predict the drop-off for Daryl Williams. I mean, he's been healthy. And so I, I think that the pieces around – listen, you want to start talking about some things? and. Day two draft picks for Brandon B. Maybe some of those, not a lot of those have been panning out, really. I mean, Dawson Knox, I'll give you that one. I mean, they miss him. And by the way, Sean McDermott said today in the press conference, he stopped Josh Reed when he asked, how much is this offense missing Dawson Knox? And you know how he's a team first guy and he didn't want to you know, give too much credit to one guy. But I do think they're missing Dawson Knox a little bit. I like Tommy Sweeney, but he's not the, the same threat and the same game plan piece that defenses have to prepare for that Dawson Knox is. And so, listen, we're going all over the place today. This, You know what it is, too, Ryan? You know, you do all this stuff, right? You know, I come down here. You know, I see uh, Bills fans walking around this building. I tweeted it out. It looked like it was a home game. You know, there were so many Bills fans. I met two Bills fans, our buddy Nate Castle, who's been a big fan of the show for, for years. He's always come in our Zoom chats. Uh, Gilbert, uh, I know him over on Facebook. Uh, he messaged me. He was at the game today. Met both of them, which is great. It was a great time. Said hi. We took pictures. It was great. I love seeing Bills fans at these road games. But I tweeted it out. And you got to be freaking pissed off that you came and spent your hard-earned money to come watch this team 
play this crappy Jaguars team. Let's be honest. This isn't a good team. They had a nice day. It's an NFL team. Any given Sunday, all that, yada, yada. To be honest with you, we've heard it so much. I'm so sick of hearing about it. But you, you do all this. You come down here and you watch this game. And it was crap. It was crappy play from a Super Bowl contender, quote, unquote. And it's something that we're going to be talking about tomorrow. I'm writing about it at the site tonight. Maybe the Bills never were a Super Bowl contender. Maybe they got work to do to become that Super Bowl contender. I think you get Spencer Brown and John Policiano back in the mix. I think this offensive line is better. I think that you have learned that the strength of your team is not running the football. So you've got to pass to run. You have to be smarter about when you run. Because I think that's the only way you're going to get this run game going at this point. I'm ranting. Let me tag you in again. <laughs> you know, I, I think the fact that you mentioned maybe the Bills aren't a Super Bowl contender, it's something you have to sit back and really think about. They have two wins against the Miami Dolphins. They beat a really bad Houston Texans team. Uh, they beat a Kansas City Chiefs team that is not that good. I know they won today, but had Aaron Rodgers played that game, that would have been a blowout for Green Bay. Uh, Jordan Love looked like a young quarterback. He He played a pretty bad game of football uh, and their offense in Kansas City that is is still a mess. So it's hard to sit here and pinpoint a a great win for this team. Washington football team, obviously, too, in in terms of the games the Bills have won. That's not a great football team. They lost a close one to a Titans team that looked legit before the Derrick Henry injury. I'll, I'll give you that. But you know, you sit here and it's just like, well, none of these games or none of these teams that they've beaten are necessarily going to be in the playoff mix at the end of the season. Uh, you, you lose to Jacksonville, only putting up six points. That offense can't ha- doesn't have any answers for Jacksonville. It, it's worrisome. It, it's it makes you kind of sit back and scratch your head and say, are, you know, are, are they reading the press clippings? Are they believing their own hype? You wouldn't think so with a Sean McDermott. Uh, team, you would think that they come in each week prepared, but they were not prepared today. They, you know, we, we heard from, um, or we saw at least on social media that one of the Jacksonville teams said, you know, they didn't, the, the Bills almost looked uninterested on their sideline. They didn't look like they were, they came ready to play. And, and he was telling his teammates, you know, we need to go out and show them that, we, you know, we deserve to win this game. I don't know what it was, but. Again, there's nothing to overlook because the Jets are on the horizon. And then, you know, you're right. We're all over the place. Hey, we were just talking about the line in that game. Listen, I've watched the Jets the past few weeks. They're playing much better football. Their defense, you know, obviously has its issues, has its moments. They gave up a lot of points to Indianapolis. But that offense has scored a lot of points with Mike White at quarterback. And even with Josh Johnson at quarterback on Thursday night football against Indianapolis, this is not going to be a walk in the park for the bills The the jets kind of are, are starting to, I don't want to say figure things out because they still have a long ways to go themselves, uh, but they're playing much better football. So it blows my mind that the bills after performance like today open as a 13 point favorite on the road. I need to see a lot from the Bills starting next week before I start taking them more seriously as a team that can hold up the Lombardi trophy at the end of the year. All right, let's dial this back, Ryan. We ranted a little bit. And I, I'll be honest with you, you know, nothing like flying down to Jacksonville, which by the way, Jacksonville is like a weird city. It's like really spread out. The weather was bad yesterday. You know, you go to Miami, you go to Fort Lauderdale, you go to uh, Tampa, you go to Orlando, Disney World, going next year. Super excited. No, not even Disney World guy, but you know, you go to a lot of places in Florida, and there, you know, there's stuff to do. It's it's a good time. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not a Jacksonville guy. 
Okay, sorry. No, I'm not trying to throw shade, but it just I, I haven't been feeling it. So I'm I'm, I'm in a, a mood already coming in here, and then you just watch an absolutely atrocious football game, and there's some residuals. Okay, but let's 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 back it up here for a second. One thing that Josh said in the press conference to me did stand out that I think I want to talk about a little bit, and I and I think that there might be something to this. I think one of the things that would concern me if I was a Bills fan would be the Bills peaking too soon. I think they did that a little bit last year, early in the season. And I think that that kind of bit them late. And then it kind of, they got things rolling again after the Bry, and, you know, they, but they got to the playoffs and it's like, I almost feel like they left their best football in the regular season. That's just the, the vibe that I got with, with the way that the season went. They need to play their best football for you know, you hope three games, you know, if you get a, if you get a buy, if not four games in January and February. But one thing that he said, it was kind of a weird way that he phrased it, but I kind of get what he was going for. And he said, what happened in this game is going to make other games feel better. And this is what he said. This one stings. Having this pit in our stomach right now puts things into perspective. We get it. it's a week to week league any given Sunday. Anything can come out here and play well and be the other team. That's just how it goes. It's life sometimes. We'll use this to our advantage and we'll be better from it. And I think that the things that you need to improve upon, you know, they're clear as day. I almost think the two, like Stefan Diggs talking about like, like learning to play left-handed early this season, trying to figure out when one thing, when teams take away one thing, there's no secret anymore. Teams know what to take away when you play the Bills. You got to take away Josh Allen. And some people talking about like, I've seen this on social media, like, you know, this was rookie Josh Allen. And listen, nobody else was making a play. I mean, I get you don't want hero ball Josh, but you need him to go out there and do something. You, you, you can't score a touchdown. You need him to try to do something to make plays. When you do that, you, you're going to put the ball in jeopardy. And so I didn't have a huge problem with the way that he turned the ball over and some of the, the chances that he made. I think that he's self-aware enough to know that those weren't good plays, but there weren't alternatives with the way that this play this team has been playing. But I think that what they can take from a game like this, this is an embarrassing loss. On the road against the Jaguars, this is an embarrassing loss. This isn't week one against TJ Watt off of a record-breaking contract where, you know, you just didn't you, – you made one too few plays and you lost a, a, tough, a tight game to a perennial decent team. They're not going to be a great team, but, you know, you get what I'm saying. You know, this isn't that game. The Tennessee Titans could be, go to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? I mean, before the Derrick Henry you know, injury. This is an embarrassing loss on the road against a two and six team that was one and six and just statistically horrible in almost every category going into this game. Yeah, it was like the Washington Generals defeating the Harlem Globetrotters. It shouldn't happen, but it but it did. And, you know, going to Josh Allen and his play, he, he did play some hero ball. The second interception was really bad. The first one, uh, if Emmanuel Sanders goes in front of the linebacker, they probably moved the chains on that play, but still some, something that Allen should have seen with the linebacker. Uh, coming up but you're right no one else was making plays I, I saw Allen on that uh, second or on the last drive deliver a ball to Gabriel Davis that should have been caught and, and should have resulted in a first down Davis drops it next play Allen takes a, a bad sack and the Bills are in a fourth and 15 fourth and 16 scenario little mistakes piled up for this team Cole Beasley dropping a picture perfect ball uh, at, at midfield we saw that we saw Allen with some fumbles these little mistakes on offense killed and stalled these drives. And I get why some of the things happened, especially with Allen. It goes back to the fact that he, he felt like he had to get the, you know, do a lot 
uh, with a little in front of him in terms of that O-line play. He was running for his life and moving up, moving to the left, moving to the right before he had to even release the ball. Even on that fourth down play, he was rolling around hoping that Diggs would come open in the middle of the field and as he tried to throw across his body. He had to try these things because, like you said, no one else was able to do much and you have to go. You have to rebound from this. Uh, you said that the Bills peaked too early last year. Clearly, that's not a problem this year. When you're in a in a six six dog fight early on, or at halftime with the Jacksonville Jaguars team, you should be able to make some adjustments, just like they kind of did against Miami, and come out and play a strong second half. It just didn't happen. So. Uh, th- this team has to go back to the drawing board. There has to be a lot of, of good answers coming from this coaching staff, not to the media necessarily, uh, because, you know, they're very good at keeping their their what's going on in that locker room close to the vest. But next week when they come out against the Jets, you need to see changes on the line. You need to see changes in the play calling. You need to see ways to get the ball to your playmakers to protect Josh Allen. The list goes on and on. I do want to also add in here that this was a putridly officiated football game. I've watched football for 32 years. You know, I mean, I started watching when I was like eight and probably wasn't really educationally watching it until I was probably about 14 or 15, but give or take. This, I've never seen a worsely officiated game from the incompetence just announcing the penalties to the amount of penalty flags to like, just the different ticky-tack calls, like the, the call on Tremaine Edmonds when I guess he hit him with the helmet. I don't know. He barely, like, blew on him. And, you know, I think Lorenzo Alexander chimed in on it and basically said that's the worst thing that I that he'd ever seen. And the, the one play was, I think they missed, like, two false starts or an offsides and a false start, like, completely Multiple. missed calls. And then there was the one play where they called a taunting penalty on Levi Wallace. I didn't see the replay. He may have taunted. But they called the play after Trevor Lawrence got a first down on a quarterback sneak on a fourth and goal in the or fourth and short in the red zone. Why would you ever call a taunting player penalty on the defense in that scenario? Do you even know how like sports work? Like, why would he be taunting in that scenario? If I mean, I guess he does deserve a penalty if he was actually taunting in that scenario, but there was probably back and forth. I don't know. It was just a very strange call. Very strange game. There's a lot of stuff going on in this game. But, yeah, I, mean, I definitely didn't, I, I didn't want to get out of here before we mentioned that. Yeah, listen, we're not sitting here saying the Bills lost because of the officials. You, you never want to blame the officials never. solely for no. a loss. Uh, but they, they were bad today. They called a penalty on Mitch Trubisky early in the game. Jacksonville came out and were going after Trey White, like literally getting really physical with him. And then they called a penalty on him for kind of getting into it with Tavon Austin. Originally, they called it on Austin, though, and then they changed it after a long meeting together. The penalty that you're referring to on Levi Wallace, the wide receiver, again, it was a QB sneak, so there was no reason for the receiver to do this. He literally ran up, got in Levi Wallace's face, kind of pushed him and shoved him a little bit, and and Wallace retaliated, and Wallace got the flag for that. So, you know, the, the Bills secondary defensive backs in both of those cases need to know better. But these officials were bad. The right tackle for Jacksonville, it looked like he was moving early just about every play. Uh, and little, you know, nothing was getting called. There were two guys that clearly jumped on a big third down play that were where Trey White broke it up in the end zone. But that play shouldn't have even, have, you know, while it should have happened. But um, it should have been a five-yard penalty and drawn back or, or called back. But nothing was thrown there. This officiating crew 
probably had the worst in the office of any officiating crew in the NFL this year. And that's really saying something because there's been not just Bill's games. I've watched a lot of games where I'm like, man, what are these officials watching? What are they doing? And it wasn't just uh, all calls against the Bills either. There were some questionable calls on both sides. This officiating crew, though, you know, I, I don't know what the NFL does in terms of going back and grading these crews, looking at uh, the, the calls that they made. But, yeah, this this crew left a lot to be desired. All right. We're going to bring in Sarah Holland. She's been in the chat with all of you guys tonight. But I, I still think that, listen, if you're saying at this point, if you sit here and watch this game, I, I think I just saw a tweet. Um, and I follow a lot of fans on Twitter and some people in the media sometimes ask me, why do you follow so many people? It's like, I like interacting with people. I like seeing, taking the pulse of the fan base. Like when stuff like this happens, like getting an idea of it. And I saw somebody tweet, mark my words, something along these lines, mark my words, the bills are not going to make the playoffs. Okay. Let's, let's relax a little bit. Let's, let's, let's kind of, you know, take our foot off of the gas pedal, you know, going 150 miles per hour towards, you know, the end of this road, which is called overreaction highway. Okay. So we're just, let go ahead. I actually saw someone canceled their Thanksgiving trip to new Orleans after the loss today. They said the, the tickets are up on StubHub or one of the sites, 40 yard wow. line, canceled the flights, canceled the hotel. Uh, so, you know, th- there are definitely varying levels of, of disappointment amongst this fan base. Some went to well, you know, bad news to for you. Ryan. Yeah. Bad news for you. I bought unrefundables. So we're, we're going. <laughs> Not Even bad if you're news for me. Looking forward to it. Losing streak. But all right, let's get Sarah in here. Uh, what do you got for us? Just one question. Um, I saw earlier in the chat tonight some uh, talk about the lack of using Stefan Diggs today. And I just wanted to see if you guys wanted to add any more on that. It just yeah. comes down to how defenses are playing the Bills. They're, they're taking away a lot of what Diggs does and Doug's, does really well. Um, uh, unfortunately, right now, your your best bet is that short passing game and seeing what he can do after the catch where he, he caught a quick out and he gained a first down. He caught some quick balls, you know, some balls in the middle of the field and was able to do things. But they're, they're taking away that intermediate deep area, somewhere where the Bills were hurting teams consistently last year. And it goes back to what Matt said about Diggs. Playing with your left, you know, playing with your left hand, so to speak. The, the Bills have to figure out a way to get him more involved. There's no doubt about it. There's no uh, denying that. It's just what they what worked so well last year. Teams every week are taking that away. It was interesting because I asked, or Josh was asked about Diggs, uh, and then I asked McDermott about Diggs, and they kind of gave like different answers. Like Josh said, yeah, it was what they were doing a lot of ways because you know they. Uh, you know, we're playing that two safety deep look and forcing you to go, you know, down under. And listen, I think they need to be a little bit better on those inbreaker routes and get the ball like force feeds Stephon Diggs more. I think you saw it happen in the fourth quarter and that's when he started to go off. But I thought it was interesting. I, I mentioned, is it anything that the, the Jags did? And, and Sean McDermott said, uh, I wouldn't say that. And he said, we'll go back and look at it, but that's something that we'll have to think long and hard about. So, uh, you know, just reading between the lines there, I think that's something that there's going to be an emphasis on, Okay, how do we get the ball to Stephon Diggs? You know, he needs targets. He needs catches. Once the ball's in his hands and he gets going, this Bills team is better for it. And we've seen it over and over again over the last year and a half. And today was almost like for the first two quarters, they couldn't do it. And sometimes I think it's too, Ryan, you have so much continuity in these years together. And you have like this basic nucleus that's been together. And you almost it's almost like you're able to kind of springboard like off of each other and, and build – 
all the blocks of the house up, up and up and up. And I think that's Bill's like offense now that there's so many blocks on the house that I think sometimes it's so complicated and, you know, they need to kind of like go back to basics a little bit and be like, okay, C man, beat man, quarterback, C player, throw the ball, get the ball in the playmaker's hands, let him make plays. It's something that Josh always says, but sometimes it's just about doing it. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. Scale it back, go go with the the greatest hits, so to speak. Go with what works and then kind of move from there. Uh, because what they're doing now, the, especially these two weeks after the bye of all times, it's just not working. Miami had a lot of answers for the Bills. The Bills, obviously, it looked like a, a much uh, bigger differential at the end of the game than it really was. And then obviously against Jacksonville. So the Bills have to start figuring something else out here. And, and like you said, maybe going back to the basics is the best thing that they can do. All right. Well, great stuff in the comments, as always. We will be back on Wednesday uh, with a show. We're probably going to have a guest this week. Uh, we're still working on the big guest. I don't know if that's going to be this week. Uh, we'll figure that out. But we will have a guest. I have a couple names that I'm throwing around. Um, if you're hosting a large party this upcoming week, maybe next weekend for the for the Jets game, uh, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe. Visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. I don't think any more Bills players or coaches are going on the Manning cast this year. We'll see. Not a good thing. So what's the deal here? Ryan, you put up a story. You've been tracking this, Sarah. The Manning curse, and some of their comment in here, the Manning curse may be real. What, what's going on here? Another loss. I mean, 0-6 now. Players that have appeared on that Manning cast have lost the following week. And when I wrote about it earlier this week, I can't even tell you how many times on Facebook or Twitter the comments were, well, no, look who the Bills are playing this week. They're going against Jacksonville, this, that, and the other. Well, listen, Tom Brady won against Trevor Simeon and the Saints. We've seen good teams lose uh, to teams that had a backup quarterback. We, we saw the Bills knock out Trevor Lawrence for a short period of time, and C.J. Beathard still came in and made some plays. It's in any given Sunday league, but this Manning cast, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know if you're going to see any active players in the league showing up on that anytime soon, the way it's panned out or worked out for everyone else so far this season. All right. Uh, great stuff in the comments today, like I said, guys. Um, we will be back on Wednesday, 7.30, I believe. i got to check the schedule. We'll make an event for it, and so we'll see you then. Have a great week. Bills lose 9-6 to the Jaguars. Move on to the Jets a couple days. Take care, everyone. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.